Although we can show it to you, we are sure that you can picture the standard recycling logo used to identify the recycling process and packages made from recycled and recyclable fiber. It is made of three, usually green arrows, which catch each other's tail in a triangular and at the same time circular fashion. Well, that logo was developed by Gary Anderson, a design student in the 70s. However, the history of paper recycling, which is the ultimate starting point to retrace also the origins of fiber-based packaging, starts long before that. In the 10th century, the Japanese began recycling paper almost as soon as they learned how to produce it, and recycling became part of paper production and consumption. That was the first recorded use of recycled paper. Reaching more recent times, across the Pacific Ocean, the Rittenhouse Mill started recycling linen and cotton rags to produce paper in Philadelphia. But it was only in the 19th century that the English papermaker Matthias Koops invented the first practical processes for obtaining high-quality recycled paper from waste paper or wood pulp without including expensive linen or cotton rags. Fast forward a couple of centuries for Evergreen, the leading cross-industry alliance that aims at fostering synergies among companies promoting low-carbon and circular fiber-based packaging, is working hard to ensure this tradition is carried on in the most efficient way. How can fiber-based packaging design solve the circularity challenge? A podcast by Forever Green. The circularity by design guideline developed by Forever Green, discussed in the first episode of this series, is the latest tool to foster recyclability worldwide in the field of fiber-based packaging. However, the circularity by design guideline is only one of several key actions and milestones Forever Green has laid out for itself as an existential mission. In fact, Forever Green is driven by the insights and initiatives of its members via five work streams that focus on different aspects of fiber-based packaging. These five work streams have enabled Forever Green to develop three key documents, a recyclability evaluation protocol, the circularity by design guideline discussed in this podcast, as well as guidance for improved collection and sorting. On top, and more generally, the aim of the Alliance is to spur innovation across the fiber-based packaging value chain and leverage a range of novel technologies to raise the overall recycling rate of fiber-based packaging. You might well recall Hans Wortmann, the chair of Forever Green, who already spoke in the first episode of this series. He shared more details about the various work streams that lie at the very heart of Forever Green. We have five work streams. One of them is working with the harmonized test methods to try and get the same result for a packaging to be tested on its recyclability throughout Europe. And out of the results of the testing, we have to then to evaluate the outcome through a recyclability evaluation protocol and um, we're in the phase of launching the first version of this evaluation protocol. We're focusing there on can the product go into a standard mill or has it to go to a specialized mill? How is it about the inkability? The second one is the design guidelines. The third work stream is really focusing on how to collect, sort and process these after-use packaging and make sure that they end up in the right format at the right paper mill to be reused. So the collection and sorting guidance document is in preparation and is almost ready to be published. So in the lifetime that originally was created for Forever Green from 2000 to 2022, there were these three deliverables mentioned. So Workstream 4 is really looking into innovation, working together with startups and the universities to say, okay, what we do today is what we want to do in 10 years time. 
So there's a lot of things going on beside the design guidelines within Forevergreen. The initiatives of Forevergreen obviously are not happening in a silo. This is to say that we live in a world of public policies and institutional frames. Speaking of which, the EU is most active in developing institutional frames for the fiber-based packaging industry. In fact, over the past few decades, the EU has extensively legislated in the domain of recyclability, establishing milestone directives for European markets and societies at large. To mention a few key initiatives, the Waste Directive of 2018, the Packaging and Packaging Waste Directive and its upcoming revision, the Waste Framework Directive and the Eco-Design Legislation from earlier in 2022. Monika Romenska is Regulator in Public Affairs at EXPRA, which stands for Extended Producer Responsibility Alliance. Founded in 2013, EXPRA is the alliance of 26 packaging and packaging waste recovery and recycling systems from 24 countries. This is how Mrs. Romenska describes the current policy framework of the EU and the challenges it establishes for the whole sector. With the legislation on waste and on packaging waste, specifically packaging and packaging waste directive in 2018, a lot of challenges appeared already, not only to the EPR organizations, but also to the whole value chain. Basically, new targets, new measurement points, a lot of other requirements and expectations from the industry, basically, and also from local authorities, partially. And now with the revision of uh, the both uh, key directives, so the Packaging and Packaging Waste Directive and the Waste Framework Directive, not to mention all other EU policies that are popping up. Of course, I should not uh, omit the Single-Use Plastic Directive, which indirectly also impacts the paper packaging value chain, also the sustainability initiative and many other policies. There are a lot of requirements towards the industry, towards the value packaging value chain, which uh, really present challenges, not only because the targets are very ambitious, because we are fine with this. The problems uh, come from somehow uncertainty regarding the legislation because in the sector, when you make investment, it's usually quite significant one. So you need some predictability in order to make investments, in order to move to R&D, to move to innovations. And this is somehow being challenging with all these legal changes and with all policies that sometimes are not fully aligned with one another. We also asked Mrs. Romenska about the relevance of the circularity by design guideline developed by Forever Green in this context. It's key. I mean, it's recognized by all stakeholders that everything starts with design because in the design phase, it's very important to have in mind the end of life of the product or the packaging in our case. So basically, it's very important to design packaging in a way that it can be easily recyclable. So this is a key phase, uh, obviously. And again, here we should not go from one extreme to the other because it's very important for the packaging not only to be recyclable, but it's also very important to be uh, to protect the product because um, the CO2 impact is somehow not enough emphasized uh, in the new policies of the EU institutions because it's very important to have a balanced approach. But again, everything starts at the design phase. Mrs. Romanska's latest intervention brings us back to the very focus of this podcast series, the Circularity by Design Guideline. As we came to understand, the Circularity by Design Guideline is one of the building blocks of a large and more systematic approach to recyclability. Moreover, as much as we have put the focus on companies and professionals directly working with and on fiber materials and processes, this is a good moment to underline that Forevergreen truly is a cross-industry alliance. 
Being a cross-industry alliance means that Forever Green does also have members that are not effectively producing paper and board or converting these materials into packaging. We're talking about suppliers of important components to produce packaging, like glue needed to make a box out of a sheet of board or ink needed to give information on the contained product in the packaging. In fact, non-fiber-based material-focused companies represent a key stakeholder segment of Forever Green and, therefore, of the key actions and deliverables developed by the Alliance. We already touched upon the importance of the interaction between non-fiber-based and fiber-based materials in the first episode of this podcast series, as we spoke to Charlotte Werner from the University of Applied Science in Vienna. But another perfect interlocutor to discuss hands-on implications and value of the circularity by design guideline in this context is Siegwerk, one of the world's leading ink manufacturers, which, of course, is part of Forever Green. This is Daniel Drochner, Head of Technology, Business Unit Tobacco at Siegwerk, who's representing the non-fiber material segment of Forever Green in the steering group of the Alliance. Non-fiber materials are very important components because they add essential features to packaging. Just for example, we, we as an ink supplier, we are bringing color to packaging with our products and they help to differentiate at the point of sale and support the brand message. And on the other hand, overprint varnishes, which is another big group of products we offer to the industry, they protect the ink film of being damaged during the converting of packaging. And just to touch on another group of non-fiber materials, the adhesives, they are another important group because there would be no gluing of packaging without adhesives. So what about the interaction between fiber and non-fiber-based processes and products? So for me, it's like uh, yeah, this interaction of fiber and non-fiber-based processes and products. It's like a kind of symbiosis for me. So in fiber-based packaging, the fiber-based substrate, so paper and board, is combined with the non-fiber materials during the packaging, printing, and converting. It is yeah, also very important to make sure that this symbiosis does not interfere with the different recycling processes of fiber-based packaging. So we have to look also at the end-of-life scenarios. And that is, I think, why we came together at Forever Green to evaluate the impact of different components on the recycling of fiber-based packaging and to give clear recommendations to the value chain how to how to design recyclable packaging. Fair enough. But why and how does the Circularity by Design guideline represent an added value to a business like Siegwerk? At Siegwerk, we have we have I would say a very ambitious sustainability agenda, and combined with um, quantitative targets. And one of these targets is that the that the majority of our products which we sell and offer to the industry so enable circular packaging solutions. So we want to increase the share of these kind of products we sell. And that is why this design for circularity guideline is important for us because it's supporting this ambition we have. And that is the added value of this guideline to our business here. And if all of this sounds still too abstract to you, here comes a very concrete example of the application of the Circularity by Design guideline right at Siegwerk. I would like to refer firstly on the current work on the next versions of the guideline. 
which will include not only the standard recycling process of fiber-based packaging, but also enhanced recycling processes that include a so-called de-inking or flotation step where ink particles are separated from the paper or board fibers. We are, as a company, constantly working to optimize this so-called de-inkability of ink systems, so the ability to be easily separated from the fibers. There are ink systems which are often regarded as not de-inkable or difficult to de-ink. And these are so-called UV-curing ink systems. And Siegwerk has put a lot of effort in developing UV inks for sheet fat offset printing, which are fully de-inkable. So we have been adjusting the formulation and testing with different partners, also from the paper and board industry, to look for the inkability-optimized UV-curing ink systems. At the end of this journey, we can say out loud that the Circularity by Design guideline developed by Forever Green truly represents a key asset for the entire value chain within the fiber-based packaging industry. In these two episodes, we have had the chance to listen to Forever Green representatives, researchers, experts from within the industry, and obviously from designers. But what does the future of Forever Green, the alliance behind the Circularity by Design guideline, look like? Hans Wortmann, the chair of Forever Green, shared with us his vision. We started with a three-year horizon, which is finishing by the end of the year. Meanwhile, the alliance, the members of the alliance and the CEPI board has approved an extension of that lifetime for 2023 and 2024. And we're in the middle of the process of uh, finalizing our key targets to be achieved in those two years. But already you sense that um, the members might want to extend the lifetime beyond 2025 all the way up to 2030 to make sure that the target that we've set, the 90% recycling rate, is really being achieved. So that is where we are in the process. As part of our last conversation with Mr. Wortmann, we explored and touched upon misconceptions when it comes to the public discourse related to the fiber-based industry. And this is what Mr. Wortmann told us. We could argue that um, there is sometimes the idea that forest is being cut down and devastated because of the paper industry. That basically is not correct. If we look particularly on Europe and Scandinavia, where the forest is extremely well managed already since the early 1900s through legislation, where there is a requirement to replant and make sure that the forest stays intact. There's so many good examples on how we deal with the fibers. But what people need to understand is that it is a product that comes out of, of nature and it has no endless lifetime. So the fiber can be reused multiple times, but in the end, there is a need for some kind of fresh fiber. So anyone that says we should recycle 100% and we should only use paper for recycling, that is just physically not possible. The fiber after multiple times of use becomes too short and then is no longer, we are no longer able to keep it in the loop. So therefore, to me, packaging is an essential element of our society. We should avoid waste in any shape or form, and good packaging can help with that. But good packaging, to me, means also that it is recyclable and can be reused to a large extent. And that's why I'm so happy with the 90% recycling target that has been formulated by the uh, Forever Green Alliance members. Forever Green is a cross-industry alliance with the aim of perfecting 
the circularity of fiber-based packaging. The Alliance counts close to 100 members that are unified in the goal of achieving a climate-neutral and sustainable society. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you're willing to find extra resources and information about our projects, visit our website and follow us on our Twitter and LinkedIn channels.